Hello, Lauren. How are we? Hello, Babs. Happy Wednesday. Happy Wednesday. How are you? I'm very good. The sun is shining here, so I'm happy about that. Yeah, I mean, I'm I'm over in the UK for a few weeks. I like live for those of you who don't know, half between Glasgow, half between Ireland, basically. Although in COVID times, didn't move much, but half and half and it is sun splitting the sky here at the minute but I've just been out there and my family are like it's gonna rain tonight (laughs) oh no well it has rained about three times today so has it actually I bet see guys Lauren's in Ireland so (laughs) it's just gonna happen (laughs) it always rains in Ireland (laughs) so Lauren tell us what are we talking about today so today we are here to talk about client onboarding. So we're going to be talking about what is client onboarding and what are the legalities surrounding the topic. So for me, in my own personal experience anyway, client onboarding is all about, I suppose, the first impression that you get, um, especially in business. So whoever is doing the onboarding, they must be aware of the client's needs. They want to make sure that you're happy with everything that's going on, the processes and also given that personal touch is very important to make the client feel special so we have our own client onboarding process here at Jameson Law but Babs what can you tell me that I don't know (laughs) probably not very much (laughs) because Lauren's like the big brain but um yeah I mean it's so funny because I bet you some people are listening to this and they're like why are we talking about client onboarding with a legal podcast? Because it's systems and processes. And yes, it is. And please never ask me a systems or processes question. Um, We were doing an analysis of our business earlier and we're like, oh, systems and processes. So don't ask me questions about that. However, legal plays such an important role in it. Um, First of all, to protect you. Secondly, to protect the client. Um, Thirdly, just to make sure nobody's getting anything wrong. But fourthly, just to set a kind of professional tone for your business that tells the client that you take their business seriously. And that's really, really important. Um, I hear people say all the time, oh, I don't don't want to bother the client too much with contracts or whatever. And I think I said in a previous podcast, like man up, like that. that's, that's not a serious business owner that says that. And to be honest, if, if well, first of all, if you're going to, if you're going to annoy the client, they're not the right client. But secondly, the onboarding process, getting the systems and procedures right, but also getting the legalities right throughout it is really part of the customer experience in itself. I didn't know that there was like legals involved with the client onboarding process. Yeah. So let's just dive into it now. What is client onboarding and what are the legalities surrounding it? Client onboarding is so easy. It's just get your client in the business but it's really complicated um because it is as i said it's all about making that right impression if you have like as i said i'm rubbish with systems and procedures but if you have a really convoluted process where there's a lot of back and forth with a client where bits of tech break down where bits of emails don't make sense or things are missing that's a terrible terrible first impression for that client it's going to piss them off and um, it's really not going to make them feel like the trust you like they have faith in the service that you're providing and that's a really important part so this is like a sales monologue more than anything else and that's really really important you could be the best salesperson in the world you can make that sale you can get the cash in the door but if that client's first couple of days with you are a bit back and forth and a little bit upside down they're they're not going to be happy with that process now the legalities of it is it Is it a legal requirement to have a client onboarding process? No, 
um, in most businesses in some businesses it will be like if you have to do like money laundering checks for like accountancy firms or some legal firms that kind of thing but in most cases no um but it is about making sure the legalities are right so getting your client contract signed or at least getting client terms and conditions out when you start working with that client so that they understand what is expected of them when they need to pay that's really important and as I said at the start it's about setting that right tone that you take their business seriously now having said that that that's not where it ends but from a legal perspective that is the, the most important part something else to to bear in mind is it will really depend on whether you're selling b2b or b2c so business to business or business to consumer business to business just make sure they have a great time make sure you have a great tone of voice that you've to- you've basically encouraged them to have faith in your brand and and know that you're a professional and take their business seriously if you're b2c you need to think about client onboarding in a very different way. If you're making sales over the phone, for instance, there's certain things that you have to see if you're selling to a consumer um, and you might want to follow up with a written contract, but then there's certain things in that written contract that will have to say as well. If you don't make sales over the phone, but you make them by email or over a website, again, there's certain information you have to make available to consumers. So very important for both types of businesses, but very important you get it right from a legal perspective for B2C. And if you're making sales like through email, would there be contracts involved there? Yeah, for sure. There should always be contracts involved. Um, But that doesn't mean it needs to be really convoluted. You can send across like a DocuSign or an Adobe sign or something like that, which is basically electronic signature on a contract. But you can also do what we do here, which is basically setting out the scope of the service that the client is buying what the quote is and attaching your terms and conditions and basically saying either in the email or in the terms conditions or both if you go ahead with our services these terms and conditions apply to you and that makes a legally binding contract okay so if they go ahead with it then they're basically agreeing to the the terms of service i suppose yes absolutely so i just have this idea in my head about Let's say, right, I'm going to London, I'm going to book a flight, so I go on the website, then I get my ticket, then I go to the airport, I check in, I put my bags through the the baggage place, so it's a kind of a process, Yeah. how, like a physical process, I have to physically go there, what should the onboarding process be like for people that are like working in online businesses? Yeah, it's different but the same, isn't it? Like because it's it's very it's very obvious how you onboard a client in a face to face scenario. Like you go to the airport, you check in, you're onboarded, or or you purchase your ticket online and I guess you're onboarded then. Um same in a shop. You go in, you walk in, you look at the clothes, you take something up to the till, you're onboarded. Online business is a bit different. It's it's obviously it's not normally a tangible thing. Um so it's quite difficult to say like when 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 they became a client and when they didn't without a client contract but it also means that the kind of the system that you put them through the funnel the 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 onboarding funnel not the sales funnel that that is very very clear so I mean an example of an onboarding process might be you have an initial email come through from a client a potential client you then have a call with them there's obviously stages there about making that very easy for them, making sure you've got space available in your diary, turning up on time, making sure they use the medium that they want. Is it a phone call? Is it a Zoom? 
is it teams oh my god i run a, i run on a mac i can't use teams for, to save my life all of this stuff then it's about turning up for the call bright eyed and bushy tailed um really full of energy being a proper ambassador for your brand and then it's about explaining fully on the call what you're going to what you're going to deliver when you're going to deliver it what the cost is being extremely clear about all of that and then leaving the call with very tangible next steps so an example might be right this is the quote this is the work we've discussed I'm going to send you an email right now or if you don't have time something I often do is I have a couple of calls after this but I'm going to send you an email tonight because the thing is if you don't manage those expectations that's when there's going to be a breakdown and that client's going to sit there and say they've not emailed me now yes you might be back to back on calls and trust me I know that is drama and we don't want to deal with it but the client doesn't care and that can lose you the sales. So it's a case of making sure that you're very, very clear about what the client's expectations should be, coming off the call, doing what you've said you'll do and setting out very, very clearly what you're delivering, when you're delivering it, what the fee is, what it's dependent on, is it a fixed quote and attaching your T's and C's or sending a contract for them to, to sign. Now, that is not the end of the onboarding process it then becomes, it's very important at that stage to acknowledge what has just happened. Thanks very much for confirming. I'll get this back to you on Tuesday. Have a lovely weekend. I'll speak to you next week. If you don't do that super simple part, you then start getting emails. Did you get, did you get my email? Are you working on this? What, what do you need from me? And, and it just, even if you get back and address their concerns as quickly as you can, it just creates distrust and that's what the client onboarding process is all about is creating trust in your brand. So the most important thing is to cater to your client's needs. Yes. Make them happy. Um, as you said before, like if they can't use Teams, offer them a Zoom call. If they can't use tech, offer them a phone call. It's all about making them happy. Yeah, for sure. So what happens if someone gets the onboarding process wrong? What, how do you rectify the situation? Well, there's there's client care issues and then there's legal issues. Um, client care issues, I mean, I'm sure we all know. The client asks for a refund. The client starts complaining. They end up for the lifetime of the client just being a difficult client. Or I know people who have like had clients hark back to something that happened six months ago. Remember that time I sent you this and you never acknowledged it? Get over it. Like, <laughs> But they don't. Clients don't get over it. So... They remember these things and unfortunately they remember the bad things more than the good. So breakdown relationship, asking for refunds, dealing with refund requests, which can take up a lot of your day. It's, it's, it's just not good for your brand. It's not good for the client experience and it's not going to help you grow and scale at the speed I'm guessing you want to grow and scale at. That's the client care issue. The legal issue, again, is different B2B and B2C. If it's, if it's B2B and you've not been clear about something, I mean, a business owner will just call you up or email you and say, that's not on. I'm not accepting that. I don't care that you've spent time on this. I don't care that you've done this. I'm not paying. And although you have a contract in place and the contract is fantastic and you need it and you will need to rely on it at times, unfortunately, it doesn't it doesn't fix everything. Like if you if the business owner, if the client doesn't want to pay you're going to have to take them to court to deal with that, right? So that's just admin. Um, B2C, if you get this stuff wrong, potentially you're in breach of consumer rights legislation. That means not only 
could you be sued? But you could be taken to trading standards. Um, you could have a small claim brought against you by a consumer. Um, there's there's lots of things that could go wrong. And the problem is if you have a finding against you by trading standards, that's publicly available. If someone searches your name, they're going to find that. That's going to seriously, seriously damage your business. Yep. And what is trading standards? Trading standards is a body in the UK that basically makes sure that every business that says what they're going to do does what they say they're going to do. So your advert well, there's advertising standards which is a little bit different, but kind of advertising, marketing, what you've sold, have you promised X, Y, and Z, but you've delivered A, B, and C, they're basically there to protect the consumer. Okay, well that's that's really important that consumers are also protected as long at, as well as business owners. Oh for sure. And businesses. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. So in Jameson Law we have a really good client onboarding process and we like everybody in the team knows how it works everybody gets involved with the client onboarding process should the whole team in every business be involved with the client onboarding process um depends how you define the client onboarding process um if you define it as doing the call following up with the email acknowledging what's happening next and starting work no in my opinion, that should be limited to the person that they spoke to initially and or one other person. What you don't want is for that client to feel like they've been pushed from pillar to post. Um, and it's actually quite a big problem in the legal industry. It happens a lot. The partner goes out and makes the sale and then passes it to the trainee and then the client gets pissed off. It's really common. Um, it depends how you define client onboarding though, because if you define client onboarding from... The moment you start your marketing, getting people on calls, then yeah, the whole the whole team should be involved in that, at least if their role allows for it. Um, they, they should understand how the business gets clients in, what our clients need um, and, and what they're looking for. And that just means everybody's going to be a bit more cohesive and more in line in terms of getting the clients in the door and treating them well. Something that really annoys me is... When I'm buying something online off a website mm-hmm. and they don't respond, they yeah. don't send you an email saying that your purchase has been confirmed. And then when you go to query it, you're talking to like John. <laughs> and then two weeks later, you hear back from Becky and you're like, right, I just want my stuff. Like, where is my stuff? <laughs> that just puts me off. Yeah. The and company. Yeah. That- yeah, for sure. And that is that's a service provider issue as well like if you've it's like i said there if you've not confirmed something um and then people the person has to as soon as the client has to ask questions you've caused a problem um or you've not been clear about something and actually it might be a simple mistake and you might not have realized you've done it but that's something you should learn from from for the the future um what have you had any experiences of like really good onboarding processes that you can think of Hmm. I, you're right actually because you know what when you said that as soon as you mentioned that all the bad ones are coming to my mind now because yeah the customer always remembers the bad ones yeah for sure and the thing is yeah. like a good onboarding process will keep a client they won't necessarily mm-hmm. remember it um but it will keep the client but a bad onboarding process that client's going to tell everyone that will listen exactly now during covid last year i was doing up my house I was like buying bits and bobs online and there was like these LED lights that I wanted and I ordered them they never arrived so like a month later I was like where is my lights and they kept emailing back being like 
oh they're they're in the post they're in the post and I was like they, they can't be in the post because it shouldn't take that long and then they were using the excuse oh COVID COVID <laughs> yeah so don't be using that excuse because <laughs> you can still be nice to your clients during COVID yeah absolutely absolutely yeah. and if anything COVID is a really good opportunity to be nice to your clients because every day well we're all opening up now and hopefully we stay that way but you've got more time in your hands you're not commuting you know you've got more focus on the task in hand rather than doing a million other things like this is the time to improve this stuff what are some client onboarding no-go areas what would you recommend people do not do um probably a lot of the things i've already mentioned but i mean being unclear I'll just list them. <laughs> Being unclear, um, passing people from pillar to post, um, not responding quickly. I'm not saying you have to respond immediately, but at least manage those expectations. You will hear from me in three days. You will hear from me in two hours. Just manage the expectations because every time you do, they're going to be like, oh, she said I'd hear from her then. That's fantastic. Um, what else a no goal? Um, pitching the wrong tone to the business. So not speaking to your client in the way that works for their business and for their business model, um, that that's that's a complete no-go. That's just not going to work. Yep. Just going back to like the systems. I know you told me not to ask about systems, but I'm going to. <laughs> <laughs> Should businesses use like automatic digitalized onboarding systems to help out like with the customer experience? Um, I think that will make sense for most businesses. Yeah, um, it doesn't always make sense. Like I don't think us as a legal business, I, I would probably be told I'm totally wrong here, but um, I don't think us as a legal business, it would make sense in a lot of ways. But then we do use things like online signing platforms and stuff like that so I think there is always a place for systems electronic procedures with onboarding some businesses if you're doing a lot of the same thing over and over again definitely I mean there's no reason that that should be a manual process at all and it's probably quite a major cost saving even just in terms of like your time and your staff's time yep and just in terms of the whole process itself should businesses go back and look at their process every few months, update it, change things. Yeah. Yeah, because I also think, and I don't know what other business owners think, but I find this with our businesses that our kind of client demographic changes all the time. Um, I mean, we broadly have the same types of clients, but they might get a bit bigger. The clients become a little bit more sophisticated um, and so your onboarding process is probably going to have to change to reflect that. For instance, as I said, we always set out kind of our scope of work with our T's and C's, get clients to confirm by email, and then we just go ahead. The reason I do that is because it's nice and straightforward. It allows the client to feel like you're on it, but you're not giving them loads of steps to follow. However, as we grow, we take on bigger clients who a lot of the time want to sign something and they want an engagement letter and they want to know when they are engaged as a client and that is just because it's a different client demographic so you need to make sure that your processes still reflect that that's good and I was doing a little bit of research before the podcast just on client onboarding and there was a lot of like controversy over the topic of referrals 
do you want to explain a little bit more about that if you have anything to say yeah so right every business coach well i think every business coach every business coach definitely that i've heard in the us maybe they do maybe they are different in the uk but what i've really heard a lot is as soon as you make that sale you should be asking for a referral now I am not claiming to be the best business person in the world and I'm certainly not claiming to be like an amazing salesperson or an amazing business coach or anything like that. But for me, I just don't think that makes sense. So you've won their trust. You've, especially for, by the way, lawyers, it's very hard to win trust as a lawyer, but you've won their trust. You've made them feel safe and secure, which is what it's all about at the end of the day. Um, And you've won that client and then you say to them, here, can you do me a favor and actually get me more money? I just, I, I, I just, for me, I just find it poor taste. Um, I just don't think that it's the wrong timing. And also, you've not had a chance to prove yourself yet. Like, they might have come on and be like, do you know what? She seems all right. I'll give her a go. Um, so already that might already be hanging in the balance. But even if it's not and you've got a fan there, give them a chance to understand and see what you're really like and what you're really capable of. And actually, they might have been like, right, that phone call was like a 7 out of 10. And then the service might be like a 10 out of 10. And then your referrals are going to be even better. Yeah, so give the client a chance to get to know you and work with you first before jumping out at them and saying, bring me more people. Yeah, I mean, that's my tuppence worth. It's definitely the opposite of everything else I've heard um, but it's just my tuppence worth Cool well that's everything I think I have do you have anything else to add? I don't think so I think it's just like <laughs> I don't think so but here we go um, yeah, I think it's just a case of making sure that the client onboarding really gets the kind of respect and time that it deserves um, it can really make or break the sale even more than being on the call or however you onboard that client in the first place, even if it's like an online sale and, you know, it's all about the presentation of your website, etc. How they feel after that, like if somebody's made quite a big investment or they've committed to work with you for a while and you ghost them, even if it's just for kind of four or five hours, it can give them the fear. And I think it's really important to bear in mind that this whole thing is about making your clients feel safe and secure. And if you treat that with with that mindset at the the forefront of your brain when you're when you're working with clients, I don't really think you can go wrong. Cool. Thanks so much for your expertise on client on- onboarding babs. So no if worries. you if you guys would like to send in your questions or if you have any queries, just email us at legalleveragelaw at gmail.com. Perfect. Thanks so much. What are you up to tonight? I have actually booked myself in for a little back massage. So I'm going there for six o'clock tonight. Oh, she never told me that, guys. Yeah. <laughs> Keeping it hush hush. <laughs> well, you enjoy your back massage. I think I've got some contracts to do, which are equally as entertaining. <laughs> so, so entertaining. I'll be thinking about you when I'm getting rubbed. Don't, don't. That's weird. <laughs> Thanks so much, guys, and speak to you next week. Cheers, thanks. Bye. If you'd like to hear more about the Legal Leverage Framework and access some free resources, including free guides and trainings, pop over to our website, which is jamesonlaw.legal, and click on free resources. We hope you've enjoyed today's podcast. Tune in to our next episode to learn more about how to grow and scale your business the right way.
Thank you.